Girl, Wild Grain is the sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up. I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What is like the word for foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. When we got our wild grain box, Steve tore, actually Golden tore it open. He was like, Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. The, I'm a baguette and yeah. I we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds. And you've been dying to talk about this for a week. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Jillian's like signed up for this for life. Yeah, Mike may, I'm not kidding, my hand, to, I swear. Yesterday, <laughs> Mike was just like, I'm a little hungry. Like, a snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had. And I'm like, we have to order more because uh-huh. I don't know how we're going to survive without it. So, fam, you can fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all pastries, you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription. You heard her. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO. That's wildgrain.com slash TCO or you can use promo code TCO at checkout. I know there's no good reason to murder people, but when it happens over money, it really grinds my gears. Um, yeah. I mean, again, never a good reason. Never a good reason. But, but the like, money is the worst. It's one of the worst. And it's this person's there. an idiot because the money wasn't actually there. I know. <laughs> I hate this guy so much. <laughs> Julian Pensavale. Patrick Heinz. Ba-da-da. I didn't even try to be on key there. I didn't even try. I was just being. But did was, we do it? I was doing me at this yeah, point. Yeah, but did you do it? Yeah, but but did, <laughs> were we on key? I never know. Who knows? Probably not. Hey, here's the thing, fam. You know yes. how we uh, do those bonus apps? We usually do them towards the end of Wait, the year. what? Yep. For the last three years, we've done these bonus apps every Thursday. We decided we enjoy doing them so much. We're going to like sprinkle them throughout the year. We're going to do them like more consistently now. Yeah, we used to do them the last 10 weeks of the year. Yeah. And now we're doing uh, more than 10. More and than we're 10. just whenever. Every once in a while, you're going to get an extra bonus, a little bonus app. A little bonus app. A little bonus app for your nerve. Who cares? Um, I'd love it, fam, if you would join us in the Facebook group. There's like over 50,000 of your like TCO fellow listeners in there. Yeah. Making new friends, sort of talking about the episodes, just hanging out, sharing their dog pics, asking you to say hi to their pups. Yes. And I try every time. <laughs> I love them so much. And lastly, join us on the Patreon. Over, I don't know, 400 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge. The minute you sign up, you get a full ad-free bonus episode every week. We're doing these fun live events now. We just did yeah. a mixology class that was so fun. You so can watch fun. it on the pates if you're there. We're doing drag bingo. I think Can't we're going to make drag bingo monthly. Oh my God. I know. A it's dream. wild. We're doing happy hours. Yeah. And also, like, ad free versions of these episodes yeah. and then, like, the long form episodes, like the things that have, you know, three, four, five, six, seven episodes, yeah. all that stuff. They're too. all there. What are we talking about today, girl? So, this is a documentary on Hulu. It's called Murdered for Millions. Yeah. And um, we hate this guy. <laughs> we hate this guy. Real hot take. <laughs> we hate the guy. The triple homicide happened here, Easter Sunday, 1992. A cleaning company reported to work at the Yule household in what's known as an upscale residential neighborhood near southeast Fresno. Dale and Glee Yule, a prominent influential couple in the Fresno community, were found shot to death inside their affluent home. Their daughter Tiffany was also slain. Turned to their sprawling home Sunday evening after spending the Easter holiday in Watsonville. Was their killer waiting for them? The bodies were discovered Tuesday after the Yule's son, Dana, a college student, called from Santa Clara and asked a neighbor to check on the family. I mean, a kid to kill his sister and his family? I mean, yes, it was a shock. We're in Fresno, California. We meet a bunch of people right at the top who are telling us about the victims. Yeah, so it's the Yule family. Yes. So it's the mom, Glee, the dad, Dale, and their daughter, Tiffany. Tiffany, by the way, is a name that comes from Shakespearean times. Did you know that? Did you? Was that you who just told me that? We were talking about this recently, that like that name sounds very, it sounds like Buffy, Muffy, Tiffany. Like Tiffany it sounds like a, a modern name. Exactly. That's what it sounds like. No, it comes from the times of Shakespeare. Wow. Isn't that like an interesting factoid? It is an interesting factoid. You know what it is? 
it's an interesting factoid. There are some times where someone's like, you want to hear an interesting factoid? Yeah. And you're like, sure. And it's not an interesting, it's, not, right. it's neither interesting nor a factoid. Totally. This is both of those things. Congratulations. That is rarer. I did it. That is more, rarer or more rare? I'm go with rarer. Rarer. Yeah. The rural juror. The rural juror. Uh, rarer than you think to yeah. have something both be interesting and also a factoid. Totally. <laughs> now, her name is Glee Yule, and this woman Glee yeah. really lived up to her name. We learned she was like super friendly, really social, and someone makes a point to say she was so smart, but she wasn't pushy about it. Right. And I'm like, well, she was still a woman after all. Let's not get crazy right, right, right. and let people know how smart she is. I'm like, what kind of thing is uh, that to say? She was smart, but not pushy well, she about was, like, it. Pushing on you. You know what? Not not a Tipton. No, not no. a Tipton. You know what? They are smart, but they will let you know. No. They oh, will. Yeah. They will do their crossword puzzles. And Pen, yeah. they will play Scrabble. That triple word score, yeah, with the Q exactly. and the X. They're gonna win by twenty nine thousand points, or it didn't Isn't happen. Is it even fun anymore <laughs> when you're that smart and that analytical? Like, is it even that fun to you win know, Scrabble by four hundred points? They certainly seem to enjoy. Okay, well, it. they certainly seem to enjoy it. <laughs> Dale, the dad, was whip smart. He was understanding, but he was the but kind of But he could guy. brag about how smart he was? He could brag. Well, of course, he's, a, he's a, like a straight white man. He could brag about anything. But she, she was smart, but not pushy about exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, my God. Well, but they draw like a contrast between Dale and Glee. They were like, she was the life of the party. He was like a little bit more somber. Yeah. He wasn't as like outgoing. Right. And then there was uh, Tiffany, who she was 24 years old. She was their daughter. And we, we hear that she was shy, but had like the purest heart. She was yeah. just lovely all around. So we learned. Family was worth between seven and eight million dollars. And that was mostly in the aviation business, but also just in land accumulation. In 2022, that is somewhere between 12 and 15 million dollars. But in 2022 money, that's a net worth of 12 to 15 million bucks. Yeah, they did the math for us because so usually I'm, we would do it. They saved us 40 seconds. I do love getting on that money conversion calendar thing. Yeah. My favorite. Money conversion calendar. <laughs> Is it on your wall? It's, <laughs> it's one of those things you move with the beads. The abacus. <laughs> abacus Finch. Abacus. Oh, boy. Uh, so let's talk about Dana. Yeah. Dana was their son. Bit of a loner, they say. Which, honestly, I, can we stop mentioning that as a as a problem. As a bad thing. I don't like it. I don't like it either. He's the sole survivor of the family. So Tiffany is, is his sister. Dale and Glee are his parents. And they were all killed and he was not home. Yeah. And people are saying, you know, the friends and neighbors, they didn't interact or see him as much as they did the other members of the family. Like, he just like wasn't around as we much. We meet one of Tiffany's girlfriends and she's Shaylee? I love Shaylee. I like her too. But like she says like, you know, he was weird when we were kids. We would like me and Tiffany would be playing Barbies and he'd come in and rip the heads off the Barbie dolls. I don't think that's that weird. I think all kids do that. I spent little brothers and yeah. they're their sister's friends are over. Exactly. You know, yeah, I guess when we put it into context, Shaylee's like, I have a great story. I know. This. And Shaylee's giving her whole interview standing in front of the house. Yeah. She's got a lot to say, but we also learned that he had like big ambitions of being a millionaire by the time he was 14. Yeah. So she's like, he was always really arrogant and annoying. And he, I mean, I think most little brothers grow out of that. And yes. I think the point of her telling that story is that he never grew out of it. Well, he we just got worse. Get this weird story. He was actually putting himself in his father's shoes. He had hijacked his father's life uh, with the media and talked about he has accomplished this thing these things rather than his father he's the real millionaire he's in the a family. self-made millionaire and like he, it's all his dad's money but like he's pretending it's him and i'm like but no, no one asked the question right like like the, if you're the <laughs> reporter isn't it your due diligence to call the family be like just wanted to make sure that your 12-year-old actually is a millionaire. Right. The 14-year-old kid tells you he has a multi-million aviation company and no right. one's like, hmm, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get a second right. opinion on just, that. Maybe I'll ask the dad <laughs> whose there, company it actually is. There was a kid I grew up with. This is a true story. But, he, he, but honestly, can I just say, but uh, he's in the paper. The headline right. is like, teen millionaire. And I I'm know. Like, what? And like the dad didn't call to correct the record. Like that's so weird. It's very odd. Anyway, you were saying, I'm this sorry. This kid that I, I grew up with, I won't say his name, but he told Everybody, back when Rent was huge, oh, no. he told everybody that he got cast as Angel in the national tour of Rent. Uh -huh. And he's like this like blonde hair, blue-eyed white kid. Angel oh, is like a Latina character. Yeah. And he told everybody, everyone believed him, the Cape Cod 
Times, our local paper, ran a whole story about it. It's a and great it was a lie. Total lie. It's a great one because who's gonna go see that tour? But I mean, it's like he never left school to go do the tour. He was also fourteen or something. Oh you know my what god! I mean? It's <laughs> a good. I, I get, and I don't mean I know a lot of people saw yeah. the tour. I'm just saying it's an easy lie to be like we're all in school, we can't go see the tour, but yet I'm on the tour. But yet I'm on the tour. Yet I still live at home and I come to school every single day, and I'm also like at drama club every night. Like, all right, it was it's a terrible just, lie. It's, it's a good lie in theory. It's I just, thought you were yeah. saying that he's like, hi, I used to be in the no, national tour. That's what I thought. Currently, just you were got saying. cast in the national tour of Rent. But still going to class. But still going to class every day. Okay. Wait, how'd you find out he wasn't really in it? Because he never went he never and did went. it. Did he ever get called out on it? No, not that he went to a different high school than me. So I don't know. We had one like mutual friend who I'm still really good and friends in with. High school. I know. Girl. I mean, oh my. Also, he's like a blonde haired, blue eyed white kid. Yeah, like no, he it's was not never going to be cast as Angel in Rent. No, Mark, maybe. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> At Mark. 14? What? No, please. Oh my God. Oh my God. Travel. Girl, Masterclass is back. So, you know, Masterclass is where, like, you can learn from, like, the best in the business at whatever it is you want to learn about. Yeah. So I've been studying writing, and I took the uh, I took the Aaron Sorkin class, and I took the David Sedaris class. Guess what? I took the Judy Bloom class. <gasps> really? Judy Bloom is amazing because she's so, like, amazing, and she's so She's an icon. Thoughtful. She's an icon, but she teaches, like, the practical yeah. elements of writing, the storytelling style and elements. Yeah. I was thinking about you because Tan France from Queer Eye is also uh, on here. Yes, yes. And his whole thing is, like, style for everyone. Uh, even so, me? Yeah, because his class teaches you the rules of great style and how to break them. And I thought about you, uh, about how, like, what RuPaul was saying about, like, copy someone's style. So, yes. Tan, like, who's better than Tan? Oh, my God. Fam, we are obsessed with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So, like, whether you want to study acting with Helen Mirren or Samuel L. Jackson, Ooh. like, the world that you're you can study the writing like I'm doing. You can study style. RuPaul is on there. Yeah. Masterclass has you covered, no matter what you want to do. Yeah, fam, with Masterclass, you can get unlimited access access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. Yeah, there are over 200 classes to pick from. They have new classes added every month. And doing it this way, fam, you're not just talking about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. That's a real thing. And right now, fam, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash TCO. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And you're not going to need it. Are you kidding? Your mind is going to be blown, oh fam. So get 15% off right now at Masterclass.com slash TCO. Masterclass.com slash TCO. Take that Judy Bloom writing class, fam. If Why you're thinking about learn the, the practicalities of writing. Or just like be around Judy Bloom for a little I know. bit. <laughs> So we jump back to April 21st, 1992. It's the day the bodies were discovered in the house. And we learned that by the time they were discovered, the bodies had been there for 24 hours. They were found by a cleaning service. Yeah, their weekly cleaning service that was coming to the house found the family. And like the neighborhood is totally freaked out. Right away, the sheriff tries to like assure the town that this was a targeted situation, that there's not like a crazed madman out there killing at random. But like apparently there'd been a lot of crime in this neighborhood. And the cops were like, we know for sure it's not those people. It's, this is something yeah. else. Because got other people working on that case. Right. And I'm like, we're, you're working on all the cases, though, how, right? But how do you know it's not the same thing? I think they knew more than they right away than they were able to say. Because, again, it's like, well, how do you know? Because they're like, this is a staged burglary, not right. one of the other real burglaries. And yes. it's like, well, how do you? But I think they knew, by the time they were announcing this, I think they knew more than they were saying. It was also, like, important to them to correct the record. One of the first press releases I sent out was to dispel some rumors that were going around regarding the assault on the women involved uh, in this homicide. Uh, It was unfortunate, but we had to put something out to say this did not happen. They were not uh, sexually assaulted, as many people were thinking. There was a rumor apparently going around that the women who were murdered, Glee and Tiffany, had been sexually assaulted. Right. And they put out a press release saying that that's not true. And they were saying that, that they were hoping that was going to sort of get the killer to sort of come forward and identify themselves in some way. Right. I don't understand how the police work is done. Yeah. And what is the logic behind that? Look, there isn't much. It was a woman sheriff who told us, so I just believed her. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I and, believe And it's her. true, like, they were not sexually assaulted. Yes. So I'm glad you set the record straight about that. But I don't know how that would make the killer be like, absolutely, it was me. I know, right. I know that you're right because I didn't. And assault them. I just murdered them in cold blood. Exactly. What? Exactly. Doesn't make any sense. To we me. meet these and these two cops who kind of like ran the case. Chris and Steve are here with us. They're seated together. One of them sounds just like Bob Ruff. Oh my god. He has like the cadence of Bob Ruff and the way he like the way he tells a story. Oh, he just sounds t- like Bob Ruff. Do you think he, he does like a stand up comedy hour like Bob Ruff? I does? hope so. 
<laughs> you, you know what? More, Bob, more Bob Ruff in the world. More but I love, as Bob much, Ruff is like a singular sensation. In any genre, we'll take him. The first year of Obsessed Fest, he's like, I want to do a, a comedy hour. You got it, Bob. You got it, Bob. We're going to clear what the else room. What do you want? You're right. Totally. You want to do some exotic dancing, Bob? Done. You got it. You're doing it. You got it. You want to do you a hula hoop hour? It's all you, Bob. Let's go. Whatever Let's you do this. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Honestly, whatever Bob, Zach, and Janet ever want to do, they can do. Whatever they want to do. As far as, like, just like in the world. Yes. If anyone needs me to reiterate that or write them a note for something, I like they're allowed to do whatever they want. When to do. I met Zach, who works with Bob on Bob's podcast, yeah. and I, he is the most enormously muscular man I've ever met, and he hugged me, and I immediately felt safe. Uh-huh. I immediately Did you sort of like <laughs> exhale, like yeah. oh, yes, this, this is, is what, what I've feels been looking like to for. be held. <laughs> I'm being held by Zach. They are great huggers. They are good huggers. As is Janet. Let's not cut Janet Janet's out of great this. Too. Janet rules. Anyway. So, just before we're going into the first ad break, they're talking more about the son, Dana. Glee was so proud of her son, Dana. She would talk about his activities, the things he was accomplishing in school, by this time starting college. In my personal opinion, I believe Dana was born evil. Cut right to Shaylee, Tiffany's friend, who just goes, I believe that Dana was born evil. And I'm like, whoa! I know. I had a little bit of a hunch about this kid, yeah. but Shaylee's like, no, 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 you're absolutely right. Born Red evil. flags as far as the eye can see. You know, and she's probably right, but oh my God. It was just a, like, we were kind of, it felt like we were still ramping up. Yeah. And then Shaylee's like, no, 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 we're getting to the bottom of this right yeah, now. And you know what? They drop it in because we're going right to the ad. They got to they gotta keep you hooked somehow. Right. So then when we get back, it's the day before the murder. It's Easter Sunday, 1992. Yeah. And Dana set up this girlfriend for his parents to meet his girlfriend and her parents. They were all going to meet for the first time for this big Easter dinner. And they're meeting at, like, I guess the Yules have a beach house somewhere. Glee and Dale and Tiffany are there. And then Dana and his girlfriend, Monica, and I guess, like, her parents or whatever. Right. So they have a great time. Yes. Dinner goes amazingly well. They go their separate ways. Now, Dana and Monica, the girlfriend, go back up to Santa Clara. Which is where they go to college. You see Santa Clara. Yeah. Glee and Tiffany drive back to Fresno, but Dale, the dad, flies back to Fresno, yeah. which they, someone says, which he normally did. He'd, like, pick up his car at the airport or something. Right. So, like, that was the night before. The question is, was their killer waiting for them? Action News has learned that the home's alarm system never went off and that signs of a struggle were minimal. Did the Yules know the killer? Was the killer waiting for them when they arrived And, back? you know, Dale's off at school, so right. he, that, that's why he wasn't there. Right. So the cops walk us through the murder scene, and they can tell just by what they've investigated? I was yeah. going to say studied. <laughs> Woo! Uh, by what they see. So Tiffany walks in, puts her stuff down, and Tiffany is immediately shot in the back of the head. She was the first one to be shot and killed. Now, Glee, the mother, sees all of this happen, and the cops are saying that she must have started like yelling and running towards the back of the house yeah. because of where she was shot. The killer shoots her six times, five from a distance, and one really close up. So like shooting as he was walking towards her. Six times. I mean, it like, you know, that's the whole overkill thing that we talked right, about. Right, like, right. What, what the hell? Then they say 45 minutes later, Dale arrives. Remember, he came in separately because he flew back. Right. He picked up newspapers in the driveway. He entered the house and is like instantly shot from behind and dies instantly. And and they say that he never saw his daughter or his wife. Yeah, they say like, on if the there's floor. one saving grace in this whole thing, it's that he didn't see his daughter and wife having been brutally killed right before him. Right. And this is where the staged burglary thing comes in because every drawer was open, but nothing was taken. Right. And the cops are like, this is where I was like, that cop sounds exactly like Bob Ross. <laughs> um, it was that moment where I was like, what? Like maybe not the exact sound, but just the way he speaks anyway. Yeah. But the cops are like, and it's, it's like homicide 101 is. Who's going to benefit from the death of these three people? And that was pretty simple to figure out pretty quick. Who would benefit from the death of these three people? I That's mean, like, question number one. It's like the only obvious answer is the son Dana. But you're making such a good point about, like, if you're going to plan a murder to make it look like a robbery, you have to actually fucking take something. Uh, yeah. Take some jewelry or something. Like how, the number of times I wrote Stay Stupid in my notes for this episode, these people are so They're dumb. They're so stupid. They're so stupid. Yeah, like, I don't know why... You know, I mean, I think maybe because you're not actually, you don't need, you just, oh, you want to make it look all messy. Yeah. I, I really think you're not thinking about, let me take something too. Like, oh, right. it'll just look like a robbery. It'll like, just look like I it took just, something. It doesn't even occur to them to right. like, oh, let me take the VCR right. or take <laughs> VCR. something or like yeah, right, yeah. some jewelry, like try to take yeah. something. Yeah, I agree. But I think there might be a reason behind this 
particular yeah. case. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So the detectives tell us that, like, right from the beginning of the investigation, they're getting a lot of pressure from the family. We're going to learn there's, like, tons of aunts and uncles, and everyone's really involved here. Yeah. The family's calling in weekly. The cops are assuring them that they're getting the job done. They're like, we know it's not going as quickly as you want, but we are inchingly making progress. And maybe it's something that they don't want to tell the family, but they tell us. They hated Dana on site. Yeah. One of the cops is like, oh, he's dirty. He's involved. Because they, we get the story of when Dana the son is first brought into the crime scene. Like, he's introduced to one of the cops, and I guess these cops really do work on hunches and, like, you know, what, what their gut instinct tells sure. them or whatever. Because the one cop... I walked back out. I told Ernie, I said, kid's dirty. Kid's involved some way. And Ernie told me, he goes, no, he's not. He's He wasn't here. There's something about him, and he's involved in some way. I don't know. Yeah. He seems involved in some way. You don't have to be there to be involved. Maybe he's part of it. I don't know. But he, the guy, he doesn't like Dana. No, and he tells us, too, that when they finally get like Dana in for an interview, they ask him like point blank to his face, did you have anything to do with killing your family? And he says he drops his head and says no. And it's like the way that he reacted to the question really stuck with the cop. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, doesn't like him, is distrustful of him right from the beginning. And that his name is coming up a little bit. You know, like Tiffany's friend is saying that. and Because he wasn't like a, he wasn't a well-liked person. Yeah, he just gave off a, like a negative vibe. So the cops were hearing this name anyway, yeah. right? And another name that kept coming up was the name Joel. Right. And Joel is Dana's friend from college. And they tell this thing where it's like they dress so differently, people couldn't believe they were friends. <laughs> Joel had a skateboard, Dana didn't. It's the odd couple all over again. And I'm like, yeah. Have you seen me and Mike? Are you and me? Do you know how different our styles are? Like, I know. don't worry about it. No, and I as they were calling them an odd couple, I was like, please don't let this be a gay thing. It's, oh, not, God, a gay it's thing. not a gay thing. It's it never ends up being a gay thing. <laughs> Joel had a skateboard. Dana didn't. <laughs> what hijinks this week on fucking TGIF. Like, this week oh on my fucking God. TGIF. Like, so stupid. No, it's so stupid. Travel down the road back again. Girl, Rocket Money is back. As you know, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. So fam, I used it. I was obsessed. I couldn't believe how many subscriptions. It wasn't even that I didn't want them. I truly didn't know that I still I had know, them. I know. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with one tap. That's the other thing. It's not like directing you to an email and reaching right. out. No, one tap cancels the Because thing. they jump through all the hoops for you. Exactly. And I want to say, this is so important. Rocket Money will alert you to an increase in your subscription price because you know they try <gasps> to s- skate that right by they you. They do? Or, and they'll either let you know, like, are you into this? Yeah. And if you're not, they'll try to negotiate for you. Well, that's my favorite thing. They'll try to get you a refund for your last couple of months. They negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. And all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. No baseball bats, GP. Because they know how to talk to these people. Know. They, they know, know how, how to talk. talk to these people. Also, Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. That is wild. I will not rest until all those magazines are out of business. That is unbelievable. <laughs> not even magazines, like any app or I streaming know. thing or whatever. I That's know. where they get you. can't go to a single website without signing up for something. I know. It's it's really getting out of hand and Rocket Money has it under control. Rocket Money was like, did you really pay for Facetune? I was like, I think I did. I think I did. <laughs> I think did I? I did. <laughs> Fam, stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash obsessed. That's rocketmoney.com slash obsessed. Rocketmoney.com slash obsessed. Stop paying for Facetune. Stop, Stop, I mean, it. paid for Facetune. <laughs> <laughs> Their behavior is odd. This guy, Joel. Within a couple weeks of the murders, Joel Radovich was suddenly living in Dana Ewell's house. Dana Ewell would give tours of the house where the murders happened to his friends. They saw that there was still blood around the house, and they didn't seem affected by that at all. They just lived as if that was normal. And he's, like, showing it to people. He's calling it the murder house. Uh, He's doing that disgusting thing we hate where it's, like, romanticizing. But it's all, like, he's giving tours of the murder house. That's his family. That's his whole family. His family. And then also, like, when the cops called Joel to come in for an interview, the first thing he says to the cops are, what are you going to do, arrest me? And the cops are like, I don't know. That was a red flag. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not 
sad. He didn't seem to care. Like, he's not angry. He's not creeped out at right. the blood and the crime scene. Like, he's just sort of feeling nothing. He's just a walking red flag, this guy. They're also saying that, like, everybody knows that Joel and Dana are best friends. But if you ask Joel and Dana, they say they barely know each other. Say that name again? Joel? 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 The guy whose house I'm living in, I barely know that guy. That's weird. I do not. We're an odd couple. Look, I got a skateboard. He, <laughs> he doesn't. doesn't. There's no way we could be Never friends. the twain shall meet. No way. How could we even be friends? I've got a skateboard and he doesn't have one. Yeah, and we live together, so we definitely don't know each other. What? <laughs> we live together in the murder house where his family was just killed. Right. But I don't know the guy. I, I'm sorry. I don't understand why that's weird to you. I know. That's the whole vibe. What, are you going to arrest me? <laughs> Walking red flags, the two of them. That's what I'm saying. Like, these people are so stupid. It's like, plan this out better. Dana, pretend you're grieving. I know. Joel, pretend you're like the consoling best friend. Maybe just feel a little uncomfortable in a house where a triple murder just happened. At the very Stop least. Stop giving tours to your friends to show them the bloody fucking crime like, scene. Like, just think, ooh, this is disrespectful. Yes, yes. What's going to look weird? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, how about this? Uh, there's more weird shit. Yeah. So there was this, like, a gathering and a memorial for the Yule family because they were loved. They were major pillars of the community. Yes. Everyone knew them. And... Everyone says that Dana's behavior was pretty stunning. And it was because he's acting like he's hosting a party. It's like he's right. You know what I mean? And, and once again, it's like if he wasn't the killer, then we would be like, well, you can't judge anybody based on how they're handling the grief. I mean, say for a minute he's not the killer. He 100 percent is. Yeah. But say, say that he's not. His entire family was just killed. Like his right. entire like his mom, his dad and his sister. By all accounts, they were all pretty close. They just had dinner the night before. Right. Like and they're all dead. Like I there's I, I can't imagine how I. I would react if, like, Stephen Daisy, God forbid, something happened. Absolutely. But, I wouldn't be acting like I was hosting a party, but, like, who knows what I would be like. But now, this is where, like, the context matters. Yeah. Because if, if Dana was the only surviving member of this immediate family, and he was trying to put on a happy face and, and host the best memorial he yes, could, yes. that's one thing. He's living in the murder house. He's right. calling it the murder house. He's giving his friend tours, and he doesn't give a shit. Right. So those two things together, red flags. If he's just throwing a very nice memorial and trying to keep the vibe up, and this right. is a celebration of life, and yes. oh my God, weren't they so wonderful, and let's work through this together. Like, wow, what a resilient, fucking strong person. Yeah, that's yeah, not that's is. not what's happening. He also puts an ad uh. in the local paper. But then, as time goes on, when you see the classified ad in the Fresno Bee, furs for sale belonging to Glee Ewell. So he's not even just, like, selling her expensive furs. He's saying, you know that woman that just yeah. got murdered in that triple homicide that everyone's talking about? You can have some of her shit. He's doing that, like, murderbilia thing. Like, oh. memorabilia, but not. Is that a thing? They call it that. It's really bad. Murderbilia. Yeah. Oh, my God. He sells stuff like, oh, John Wayne Gacy, like, touched this. <gasps> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's that oh. Zach Baggins shit. It's all that. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it's not just, like, creepy stuff. Yeah. It's, like supernatural paranormal stuff. It's not that. It's like... Yeah, it's like the Stuff gloves. Ted Bundy owned or whatever. Oh my God, like that really, is crazy. Like the drawings that uh, Dahmer made. Uh-huh. Those like horrible, horribly violent drawings, like shit like that people like want to buy. And he's doing he's it. He's doing and it. Now, we do learn here that it turns out that Dana being 21 at the time of the murders, like when the will is read, he learns Ooh. that he's not going to be able to collect any of like money in any substantial amount from the family estate until he's 30 and 35. That's nine years away. It's a big reveal for Dana. It's a big right? Dana because Dana flips out because Dana yeah. didn't know that. No, and maybe that's why he's selling his mom's furs. But like at the same, like that's fine if you have to sell stuff to like to live because your whole family was just murdered. Yeah, like, do what you have to do. But like, not like that. Not like that. Right? Because he finds out when the will is read. Like he thinks he's on easy street. Now. Yeah, he thinks he just inherited twelve million dollars, eight million dollars. So Dana was twenty-one at the time that his family was killed. He wasn't going to be able to collect money from his family in large amounts until he turned 30 and 35. And when he found that out, when the will was read for the family, his uncles noticed that he lashed out and asked, why did my father do this to me? Why would my family do this to me? It because is... no one's giving $9 million to a 21-year-old kid. Yeah. 21-year-old person. I'm it, sorry. It's one of those things where you would think that they would, I don't know, no one ever thinks they're going to be like triple murdered in their home not. in the prime of their life. So you're not really planning for that, I don't think, ever. And it also sounds like the dad wanted 
the kids to not like re- have to rely on that. Right, like get a money. job, Dana. Like get a like, fucking job. Like yes, there's money there for you eventually, but get a job. Be I, a productive it, member of society. Because it sounds like his father gave him absolutely every opportunity. His parents gave him every opportunity to succeed and be successful. And he's been obsessed with being an entrepreneur since he's 14. He's been lying about it since he's 14. Yeah. So go out and do it, Dana. Go out and do it. Go out and get cast as Angelin in the, in the national <laughs> tour of Rent, and, and then really go do it, and still go to bio on time. I, I'm the only person who still thinks. I still talk to my friend about our mutual friend. That this that did this. I was like, you knew that you were gonna get caught. You knew that we were gonna know that you didn't ever leave and go do the show. Let me ask you something. Yeah. When people do, do you think he remembers he did that? I mean, he was in the Cape Cod Times. He must remember. He ended up he going to college with interview. me too. He sat down for an interview. Yes, about yes. like the audition process and doing and like. And you would think the reporter would have called the producers and been like, just confirming. And also, that, how amazing you cast a fourteen-year-old right, kid. Right. <laughs> Totally. Tell me about that. Tell what about, about him that. made you think, wow, we must have him on tour? I know. I know. I, 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 it's a story that seems to have snowballed out of control. I'm talking about it like 25 yeah. years later on a podcast. You know, that happens with lies a lot. Sometimes they just get bigger and bigger, bigger and, bigger. and you just can't control them anymore. And then they're bigger than you. And suddenly you're in the newspaper. Right. <laughs> That's exactly That's right. Like, sometimes How that happens. Many times we got to learn that lesson. <laughs> but we also learn his uncle said that he was resistant to even attending the funeral and yet the next day they knew he was partying on a boat with friends. So the way he mourned didn't seem consistent with somebody who was truly sad about the deaths of his parents and his sister. But then is on a boat the next day partying with his friends. Yeah, like sure he went to the funeral, but he definitely made it to that boat party the he, next day. But like didn't want, like was he trying to spin it like I'm too sad to go to the funeral and I'm going to go party with my friends because that's going to make me feel better? Or was he just like, fuck these people, I didn't get the money I right. wanted, so I'm not going to go to their funeral either. It's just like Dana is not playing the long game here. No. It's like if you want to eventually get that $15 million, which will probably be $25 million by the time you get it nine years from now, you got to like play the part, Dana. Stay yeah. stupid, you moron. Stay stupid. We also learn that like Dana, who we're going to learn, did like masterminded this whole thing. Yeah. He's calling the police like once a week to tell them what a terrible job they're doing. <laughs> Great. And then Monica, his girlfriend, her dad is an FBI agent yes. who writes an open letter to the local newspaper talking about what an upstanding, amazing kid Dana is. They'll put anything in the newspaper these Honest days. Honest to God, the Fresno Bee. We've heard about this Fresno Bee like yes, a million yeah, times. Yeah. Maybe it's like in the Zodiac. I can't remember. Maybe no, we, that's the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah. But anyway, we hear about the Bee. <laughs> totally. But like this FBI agent is like, we're going to learn later this he's the alibi for Dana. And he's like, they're just raking the cops over the coals. And yes. the cops like, we're just trying to get to the bottom of this. Right. And guess what? The cops are because yeah. the cops are like, we need information about Dana and Joel. We need to like really get to the bottom of this relationship. And we learned that they're using quote like complicated new technologies. In 1992, this yeah. is a big, big deal what they end up doing. But it's a little bit of a caper. Like it kind of made me laugh a little bit. What's happening is they're cloning pagers. Mm-hmm. So they're able to clone Joel, who's Dana's best friend. Remember like Dana and Joel say they don't know each other, but they're obviously one best friends. One is a skateboard, one doesn't. They're <laughs> right. the odd couple. They're zany and unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that John had come up with and had wrote a search warrant for was to get a uh, clone pager of the same number that Joel had. And so every time that Joel would get a page, we would get the same page. Basically, what is happening, we learn, is that Joel will get a page from Dana, and the, the cops also The whole have, department is involved, by the way. Everyone is. They've got so the Dana. The pager goes off, and everyone's like, go, 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 go. 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 Everyone's but on it. This is what I'm saying, because they've got Dana under, like, 24-hour surveillance so that when he pages Joel, they know that Joel's about to get a phone call from Dana. So they will then follow Dana to the payphone and try to overhear his side of the conversation. It's, it seems like, because I'm sort of like, when you're Dana, and every time you make a call from a payphone, suddenly there's 25 strangers behind newspapers <laughs> there's like there's 800 cars pulling into the parking lot and they're all unmarked and they're all people reading newspapers yeah to be fair Dane is pretty self-involved that's true <laughs> I don't think Dana really gives a shit about what's going on around no. him if it doesn't directly involve him or maybe get him millions of dollars I'm just like there's nobody at any of the payphones around him and then eight seconds later every payphone is yeah. full they're all it's guys like, in top that? hats He's, and there's like, like a breeze no. like, what is that <laughs> it just I understand they all look like Inspector Gadget don't. with a hat <laughs> Dana, Dana, <laughs> Pink Panther Dana, Dana. And I'm just like, it it doesn't, I understand 1992 is doing the absolute best they fucking can, but I'm like, it just seems like a system that needs a little work. Right. You know what I mean? Well, they get a little bit of a break because (laughs) one day. He's like, I know that we're not in the business of defending cops, but everyone's being mean to them. Like, whatever. Yeah. So one day after getting a page, Joel gets in his car and starts driving. So they had a smaller group of detectives that followed him and they drove all the way to uh, Ontario. And 
to a Friday's TGIFs. And they had no idea why, but they went in and Joel made contact with the bartender. And we followed him in. I'm like, of course you did, because TGI Fridays is the fucking best. You're getting that app sample. Are Do you, you know who was like the greatest bartender at TGI Fridays ever? You know they did the flair, the bartender. Yeah, of course. You know who was the best one I ever saw? Miguel Cervantes. Really? <laughs> Miguel. Oh, of course he <laughs> nailed it. I mean, if you guys don't know who Miguel Cervantes is, he was the longest running Hamilton. He did it for eight years. He just, just ended. Yeah. But I went to college with him, yeah. and we were like in shows together, and I knew him. And there was a TGI Fridays on Newberry Street. Anybody from Boston knows the TGI yes. Fridays on Newberry Street. It's now Joe's. Even I've been there. Yeah. It's not the TGIs anymore, but Miguel was a bartender, and he was a fucking he great fucking flair bartender. It, he's sure. like four feet tall if he's a day. He's amazing. Yeah. He's so great. He was on the podcast when he was Hamilton in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's yeah. going to come back and do a little uh, post-mortem. Plug for the Hamilcast. Yes. Yeah. But he's, I, I've known Miguel. He's great. He's amazing. TGI Fridays is, I am not He shocked. was probably doing it behind his totally. back. He, yeah. he nailed it. Yeah, but he's doing like the, the drink like yes. this. Yes. Like, oh. oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. Miguel. Get it, Miguel. Oh, that's amazing. But we That's uh, also so annoying when you're the bartender. Oh, I'm glad you could do it well. I know. But it's like, Can I have a blue Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. To, also, blue Hawaiis are delicious. Are they? Yes. Look, I don't want to have to go here, but we're here, we're here. You like disgusting drinks. <laughs> you're calling a blue Hawaii disgusting? Get out. I don't you're fired. I know, but it's like made with like blue curacao or whatever. Yeah. Okay, great. It okay. sure fucking is. And Remember, if it's not, send it back. We did a mixology class for the Patreon fam, and this mixologist created the Jillian's Cosmo, which is a lychee Cosmo. <laughs> it's it was really, really good. So delicious. It's really delicious. Get these to the pates and watch. Yeah. Anyway. Travel. Girl, DraftKings Casino is back. Once again, we see this a lot in the Facebook group. I really use this thing, and yes. I really love it. I might not have if they hadn't been a sponsor, but now that, I've, now that I've learned about them, I'm obsessed. I learned blackjack. I can play blackjack now. Yeah, well, they, that's what, because they bring you only the best, right? Exactly. Classics like blackjack and roulette and slots and exclusive games you're not going to find anywhere else. Right. So, fam, download the DraftKings Casino app now and use code TCO. Get, this is my favorite part. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. That's code TCO only on DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per new customer. Must opt in and make minimum $5 deposit within seven days, 168 hours of registering new account. Max match $100 in casino credits, which require one-time playthrough within seven days or 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player. Offer 2024. There you go. Cha-ching. <laughs> I'm glad to know the hour count I know, on those too. days. You know what I mean? Yep. I need it. Do you? I I'm not surprised these cops follow him into the TGI Fridays for like that app sampler. Sure. With like, oh my God, like the mozzarella sticks, but they also they're have like square, they're like rectangle mozzarella like, sticks, which are like <laughs> fake mozzarella sticks, but I'll eat them. <laughs> but I'll eat them. I'll eat them, all right. Uh, but they go in and they see that Joel is talking to the bartender. And the bartender will eventually learn that his name is Ernest Jack Ponce. <laughs> Or Ponce? Ponce. Ernest, Ernest Jack Ponce. But Jack is in parentheses, so yeah. it's one of those people who has one name and then a nickname that makes no sense. So his name is Jack. They never call him Ernest again. His name is Jack. So yeah. they end up interviewing Jack yep. eventually, and they're like, God, it's like pulling teeth, getting information out of this guy. And they interview him like many times because they say it was without on his- Without a lawyer. Without a lawyer. But they say it's on his fifth interview that he admits that he had a nine millimeter gun that was stolen while he was at UCLA. There's a police report on file. He's got the receipt for the gun and the cops are like, great, give us the receipt. And he shows them the receipt and the receipt has the serial number for the gun on it. Right. So they go to the store where the gun was bought. The gun isn't there, but there's an, an extremely close version of the gun. Yeah, it's like the same gun he bought. Yes, exactly. So they buy the gun that he bought and they start like messing around with it they call it a mean looking gun so this gun really they show it to us because they bought yeah. it and it looks terrifying it yeah. looks like an assassin's gun it's really it bad. really is a mean looking gun and they can also tell by like the rivets on the gun that someone had used a silencer Fucking, oh a silencer like I oh know. my god every time a silencer comes up we like go down this rabbit hole but it's insane it's the only insane. reason silencers should exist is for like very high level military operations no human no like civilian should have access to a silencer that's insane I don't I, yeah I, I 
Well, we're going to learn a lot of stuff that civilians do in this that is absolutely terrifying. I know. I know. So because what they're trying to do is like try to piece together the crime scene by using the gun and then and then sort of doing different things to it to right. s- find out what ha- was happening at the crime scene. Because what they don't say until later is that they're assuming that the gun that this Jack Ponce guy had stolen from him while he was at UCLA is the murder weapon. Right. And they are correct. So we'll just say that here. So here we learn two things. The silencer. Terrifying. Yeah. And then they throw in. One of the other things we had found on Glee's body. There were little pieces of um, copper, little pieces of yellow felt. You know, we didn't know what those were. And they don't know how this relates to the gun at all. Yeah. But like, this is part of the thing that they're trying to figure out. And now we learn about the mail that Joel used to get. Yeah. Put a pin in the gun. We'll be back to that in just a second. But Joel, remember Joel is living at the quote murder house at his like, definitely not my best friend, Dana, whose family was just murdered. This is. He's having mail sent to the house all the time. And one of the things that he has sent there is something called Hitman, a technical manual for independent contractors. It's literally a manual about how to become a hitman. How is this a thing with all that we know about how fucked you get if you do anything with the mail yeah. how is this a thing that's allowed to e- a be published and b right. be sent through the mail it, it's probably in some nondescript envelope that says that it's a gardening magazine yeah. and something yeah. else yeah. Like, it's, it's like probably... how we all used to get the, the advocate the gay magazine right, yeah. there was like a time when you could check you would check a box that said like we can mail it to you like in a mailer so people won't know what it is oh my god the advocate which is like a, like wow. a gay news magazine I know oh that's my how, god I, you probably still can to this day there's probably. plenty of places where it's not safe to have that sent to you I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes when you order sexy things, they totally. ask like a nondescript box. Doesn't matter. So, <laughs> how do you know? I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, but this is just like, hey, creep, you want to build guns and maybe kill someone on your own time? Like, here's how to do it. But they try to have like this official na- hitman, a technical manual for independent contractors. And it's we just see people it. who want to kill other people. Yeah. So, this is just one of the things. Basically, what the cops are saying is Joel was having things sent to the house to figure out how to kill people. The cops are calling it the How to Build a Silencer book. Right. Succinct. So here we are, right? Remember, Jillian said earlier, there are two things found on Glee's body, a little pieces of copper and pieces of yellow felt. Part of the ingredients on the inside of this is taking tennis balls and cutting them in half and stacking them with uh, steel wool in there also. We start to realize the little pieces of yellow fuzz were from a tennis ball. The little pieces of copper color stuff was from steel wool. So they're saying that the yellow felt that they found on Glee's body yeah. was from the tennis balls. That yellow fuzz. And the copper was from the steel wool. So like, there's, like, this is evidence. He's having how to make a silencer sent to the house mm-hmm. and using these ingredients and the in- ingredients are found on the dead bodies in the crime scene. Right. So the cops build the same exact silencer yeah. using the same gun and they get the same outcome. So they build, yeah. they, they do what they assume Joel did yep. to based on the instructions that he got through the mail. Yep. And then try to recreate it, and they did. It's and the exact they do same it. Outcome. And the bullets that the cops fire are identical to the bullets they found at the crime scene. So exactly. like, this is exactly what, how the silencer. Like this, we figured it out. Like Joel right. ordered all this stuff and built the silencer, and this is like this is how he did it. So the cops know. A lot. Not everything, but they know a lot. Yeah. So they go back to Jack, the bartender. We got a story here where we're told that, like, they're driving Jack from, like, Quebec or wherever he was, like, back to Fresno. They're on a drive with two officers. He's being—Jack is being very uncooperative. They make a pit stop. One of the officers gets out. By the time that officer comes back to the car, Jack is singing like a canary. Yeah. To which I'm saying, what happened in that car? Yeah, they threatened him or they right, did totally. something. They uh, yeah, wielded some power somehow. <laughs> they were like, just like—and he's like, yeah, no, no, so here's my story. Yeah. So here's Jack the bartender story. The gun wasn't stolen. No. Jack bought the gun for Joel, the best friend. Joel had confessed to Jack, the bartender, that he had taken the guns and the gun parts from the Yule house. After using them. And then Jack got rid of all the guns and the gun. Jack, the bartender, got rid of all of these guns and parts for Joel. Right. Some of them he threw down a storm drain. Some he threw in a field. And he directs the cops to the barrel of the gun. Yeah. Because Jack, the bartender, shoved it in some, like, in wet dirt in a vacant lot, like in a field. He just, like, pushed it in some wet dirt. We started with... Uh, metal detectors, but every single nail, every single bottle cap was coming up. So after about five minutes of pulling up bottle caps, I set the metal detector down. I walked over to Jack. I said, Jack, where did you put this? 
And he was standing there, and he just kind of looked. He goes, right there. So he takes them to the vacant lot, yeah. and he's like, dig over there. And, and they we do, see and a picture there of it is. Yeah. Like, he brought them right to it. So this ties everything together. We've seen that Joel has had the manuals sent to the house about how to make the silencer. Jack is saying, Joel confessed the crime to me and gave me the gun to get rid of, and here's the gun to prove it. So mm-hmm. now we got these guys. Right. So it's March 1995. It's been three years since the murders, and finally arrest warrants are issued for these three people, for Joel, for Ernest. Jack, the guy we were just talking to, and Dana Ewell. Right. And they're all charged with three counts of first-degree murder. And they're all eligible for the death penalty. Right. Also, Dana's lawyer is on TV comparing him to Harrison Ford and the Fugitive. I Shut know. up. I know. I know. Because Dana's lawyer is like, look, there's no evidence that my client had anything to do with this. He wasn't there. No one has shown me any evidence that he was in the house. or had, it's, He kind of makes a good point. Like, yeah. at this point, they really only have Joel and Jack. Right. But I, I kept waiting for Joel to throw Dana under the bus. Right, I was waiting for that too. Yeah. Jim, the prosecutor, is like, it was the hardest, most miserable time of my life. Oh my God, I was exhausted. He says straight up, he's like, it was 10 to 11 hour work days, six to seven days a week. And they're saying there was so much information on this case that by the time you'd get to the end of it, you'd forget what was at the beginning. Yeah, and you'd have to go back and read it again. There was just a lot happening. And it was day in and day out for years, he said. I'm like, why though? I feel like Jack, the bartender, just handed you the whole case on a silver platter. Yeah, but they have to prove it. I I guess that's true. (laughs) I guess that's true. Throwing a wrench in your plan right there. Due process, I guess, or whatever. So December 1997, the trial begins. And the prosecution's like, look... Dana Yule didn't pull the trigger. We know that. Yeah. But he definitely orchestrated the murders. Joel and Jack followed this plan to a T, and they killed Dana's family. They say that Opliger told the jury Radovzich got into the Yule house undetected, that he shaved his body hair and stood on plastic while he waited for his victims. He did not want to leave any evidence behind. Because he didn't want to leave any evidence behind? Like, this is wild. Yeah. And it proves how premeditated it was. Exactly. That's, that's the point. And so yeah. Joel's hoping for a little bit of a deal. I think by giving all these details. Yeah, and like this is this again is where Dana's attorney is like, my client had no reason to kill the family. Like he's a self-made millionaire thanks to all the money his father made. Right, self-made. exactly. He was also in the national tour of Reverend when he was 14, <laughs> just ask him. He played Angel. <laughs> but you know, the attorney is saying that like his theory of the case is that Jack broke into the house with Joel, thinking there was like a safe full of money. Right. And we also learned that Jack is given immunity for from prosecution in exchange for his testimony. Right. I mean, maybe he was only involved after the fact, but he like helped get rid of the gun. Like, he yeah. knew what happened, and he only admitted it on his, like, 15th interview because some <laughs> cop went in for a milkshake Strong and the other them. one beat the living shit out of yeah. him in the back of the cop car. Yeah. And pr- now, prosecution chimes into camera, and they're like, real quick, can we just stop for a second? Um, Jack and Joel were both students with no criminal history, so we want to make sure we aren't convicting innocent people here. You know, he, I appreciate you. I did, go. too. <laughs> yeah. he, I, he was like, we had to come from this at every angle because the last thing you want to do is convict an innocent person. And I'm like... I b- yes. I, I wait, wait I'm sorry. Hero Bell. I'm like, more of this. Are you? I, I was like, wait, are you the defense or the prosecutor? Wait a I second. Know. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. But it also just like, to me, it's like, well, why did they do it? It's like you guys were going to a fucking great school. You had a bright future. Yeah. You just wanted a shortcut to millions of dollars. I, yeah. You thought you weren't going to get caught. And this guy had no problem killing his entire fucking family. I know. Girl, Wild Grain is a sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up. I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item, you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What is like the word for foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. When we got our wild grain box, Steve tore, actually Golden tore it open. He was like, Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. The, I'm a baguette and yeah. I we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds. And you've been dying to talk about this for a week. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Jillian's like, signed up for this for life. Yeah, Mike may, I'm not kidding, my hand, to, I swear. Yesterday <laughs> Mike was just like, I'm a little hungry. Like, a snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had. And I'm like, we have to order more because uh-huh. I don't know how we're going to survive without it. So fam, you can fully cut Customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all pastries, you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription. You heard her. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO. That's wildgrain.com slash TCO. Or you can use promo code TCO at checkout. 
we're at the trial. They tell us it had been five and a half years to get to trial. Then it took eight months to get through the trial. They say there were dozens of witnesses, lots of physical evidence, especially about the gun. I mean, like a homemade silencer. Like, that's a lot of information to get through. Testimony from people who were involved in various ways. So Jack, for example, who Mm -hmm. was given immunity. Dana's girlfriend, Monica. Uh Monica's dad, the FBI agent, who is Dana's fucking alibi. He's an FBI agent. I know. But I mean, the truth is... I had Easter dinner with Dana. Yes. Dana and my daughter went back to school, and that's what happened. But can I ask you a question here? No one in this documentary shows us any evidence that Dana was involved. There's no phone records. I mean, I guess there is the pager stuff. The pager stuff. I mean, maybe that's what—I don't know why they would leave it out of this, but if— That would sort of speak to all the hours and hours and hours that the lawyers were working on this case and getting so confused about all the information. Yeah. There must have been. I mean, he was selling everything. He was throwing parties at the house. And we do get this one bit of information. I had to to watch this part twice. It was a little confusing. We learned that over the course of the three years between the murders and the arrest. Dana Ewell took out $125,000 in cash, never spent cash, and Joel Radovich spent $75,000 during that time taking flight lessons in cash around the state. And we were able to prove that that during that time, Joel never had a job and he lived very frugally. That $125,000 that Dana took out, Dana obviously gave that to Joel because that covered his flight lessons and his living expenses for three years. So it's like the $125,000 was like maybe the payment payment for doing the actual killing. And this is what blew my mind too. It took a long time to put this together because Dana had, are you ready? 47 different bank accounts. 47! 47 bank accounts moving all this money around. That sounds like a joke. That sounds sounds like he had had like 47 bank accounts. But this guy had 47 bank accounts. Yeah. How do you even do that? I I have this note here where I'm like, it's so exhausting, Dana. You just as easily could have just gotten a job and like waited for your inheritance. Like if you were an entrepreneur, your dad would have given you money to start a business. Like this is what I was saying at the top where it's like when when it's, you're being killed over money and money that the killer never even even ends up getting and it's also it's yeah. a, like that's your parents and your sister and if you hate them so much just don't talk to them but that's the other it's thing it's very easy we to don't not get talk any evidence that he hated them right. nowhere do we do even we learn even if he did I'm saying yeah, even yeah. if it's like I want the money and I can't stand them take the money and run exactly play nice get what you want and then cut them off right if that's what he, you wanted like there's are there are other ways to do this here you can live a happy life and never speak to someone you hate ever again and it's all fine but like it seems like they all had a good relationship like we get all this talk about how Glee was like so proud of him and, and like we never hear that he and his sister Tiffany were fighting all the time like right. it seemed like except they, for that Barbie incident except for the Barbie when they were like nine yeah. but like they had this perfectly lovely dinner at the beach house the night before and then he just like sends his family home. what is going through his mind at that dinner yeah. where he's like I'm pretending that I'm introducing them to my girlfriend but like they're gonna be dead in two hours right like a brutal violent my friend right now is shaving all of his body hair yeah. standing on a plastic tarp in my fucking kitchen yeah. so he can blow away my entire family I know. I know. who I'm right now sitting down having dinner with. I, that, I know. I will never that understand that. That is unbelievable. That. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And like he's just acting normal at the dinner with the parents. Like, at mom, the pass dinner the, with the salt. Sure. Like, you know what <gasps> I mean? What are we having for dessert, mom? You know? Wow. Yeah. That's gross. So May 12th, 1998, we get the verdict. Of course, they're all fucking guilty. They'll be locked up for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Dana's guilty of hiring Joel and Jack. Joel and Jack are guilty of the actual murders. Yeah. The Yule family's happy. The Dale's brothers, the father's brothers, like, supported the prosecution the entire time. I think that's another big thing, too, that there was no one, like, fighting for Dana. Uh-huh. Which is pretty telling or not. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. And, like, the last 15 minutes of this documentary is so weird because we, we jumped to, like, January 2022. We're at Cochrane State Prison, which is, like, where Dana's being held. And we meet— All report- three of them are there. Oh, they're all there. We meet this reporter, Corin Hoggard, mm-hmm. and he said, like, 10 years ago, before the 20th anniversary of the murders, he'd reached out to Dana to see if Dana would be interested in, like, talking about it, like, doing an interview. And he's like, I, I didn't expect anything back. He's, Dana's never really talked about this case at all. But Dana, like, quickly writes him back mm-hmm. and is like, Didn't seem interested in talking about the events that happened uh, at that point 20 years prior. But he was interested in talking and just about life and about religion, especially. But have you heard the good news? I love a pen pal. And oh, by the way, can I help Jesus save you? Yeah. Yeah, that's basically what, like, he he's definitely interested in talking. Yeah. And, and they spend 10 years having this, like, pen pal relationship where, where 
Corin, the reporter, never again asks him to do an interview, but like it's just writing to Dana and it's yeah. like every like a Dana writes back being like, hey, buddy, here's more scripture from the Bible about how we need to save your soul. Right. And then at one point he's quoting uh, from It's a Wonderful Life, all that you can take with you is that which you gave away, which yeah. is like a very beautiful sentiment. Now, I'm like, that's from It's a Wonderful Life. He's saying it's from the Bible. It's this like Christian credo. <laughs> Maybe he loves it so much that he refers to It's a Wonderful Life and as I was the like, Bible. First of all, how dare you? The way I refer to Rites of Passage, exactly. the seminal Indigo Girls album <laughs> yes. as the Bible. And I was like, wait, is it? So I Googled. Okay, what'd you find, GP? 99.99999% say it's just from the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Uh-huh. One single result says it's from Corinthians. But when you <laughs> click on the result, the website doesn't work. No! And then one result credited it to unknown. What? So t- make of that what you will. I would go get a Bible and look at Corinthians myself, but we all know that myself and the Bible would immediately burst into flames. You grew up with the Bible. I did. I liked going to church. Yeah. I was an altar boy. I was I was good I at it. I had a crush on the priest. It was all fun times. Right. Yeah. Not priest, like Fleabag? Okay. Father Heal Me. It was... <laughs> Father what? His name was Father Healy, but you Steve calls him Father Heal me. me whenever I talk about him because he was like he a was redhead. That hot. He was pretty hot. Oh my God. And here's a wild story about Father Heal me. <laughs> when my mom, my mom who was a devout Catholic, loved She was like me. a scholar, like a Yeah, she went back to school eventually to get her master's degree in divinity and yeah. she was an Episcopalian by that point, but she loved the Catholic Church, but she decided she had to leave the church over over the gay stuff. And Father Healy came to see her and was like, "I'm gay too." And we like fight from within. Like we stay and we fight wow. and like don't leave like we need to we oh need to God. work together we stick together yeah and my, my mom my mom left but she stayed in touch with Father Healy and he's still hot to this day <laughs> he's still <laughs> yeah. with us oh yeah he's old but he's hot wow yeah all right, we got two hot priests. I know. <laughs> bag. So anyway, so Dana's going on and on and on and on and on about how everyone's an equal sinner. Like, we're all the same, no matter the sin. Shut up. The thing is, like, what we learn is that, so we're going to now meet a guy named Dr. Eric Hickey. Okay, I love him. He's great because he was hired before the verdict happened, before Dana and the other guys went to jail. He was hired to sort of analyze Dana's writing yeah. to see if, if he could get anything out of it that could help the cops in any way understand yeah. his psychology or whatever. So Hickey like jumps into the case and he's just like, look, this was before Dana was arrested. He's like, this is definitely your guy. He's the, there's narcissism all over everything yeah. he writes. He, he goes, goes, he's slippery. He's slippery, but you'll get him because he's not that smart. They never are. Doc. They, are they never are, Dr. Hickey. <laughs> they never are. So we go through the letters. So Dr. Hickey is now looking at the letters from Corin because yeah. Corin got 10 years of letters with this guy. And he's like, look, when men say they've changed, they've never changed. Exactly. When men tell you they've changed, like, like, I'll never hit you again. They're lying. You only, a man only changed when you see the changes. If he was a changed man, he would confess. He would say, you know, I was convicted of this and it's true, I did it and I'm so sorry. But that's not there because this, he doesn't take any responsibility. Well, if he was actually a changed man, he'd confess. Right. And yet he's not taking any responsibility, to which Dr. Hickey goes, this is all bullshit. Right. Dr. Hickey, sit next to me at the cocktail party. Well, because he also wasn't religious before he went into prison. Right. And so, like, Corin has this whole thing where he's like, it's, it is interesting when you look at the letters. There are certain parts of words that are underlined. Mm. And Corin is like, is there a secret meaning here? Is there, like, a hidden message that I'm just not seeing that yeah. somebody else? I'm like, Corin, it's not that it's deep, not girl. That. no. But, you know, Dr. Hickey and basically everybody else is saying, like, he's not a real Christian. Like, quote, I don't know if this, I don't know anything about being a Christian, but it's like, if if he were a real Christian, he would admit to his sins and ask for forgiveness and all of that. And he's never done that. And he's never going to do that. Right. Because he's saying, like, if he was really religious, not just Christian, but religious, he would consider what happens when he dies. Right. And it's clear he doesn't care because he's not taking responsibility. Yeah. And this was planned. He had a million and one opportunities to stop it. So that's the other part of this is that another one of these prosecutors is saying to us, this was planned for so long. And at any point, it's not like it was the heat of passion. It's not like it was the heat of the moment and somebody snapped. He planned the execution of his entire, his mom and his dad and his sister. And it's like... For what? Right. Like, they compare him to the Menendez brothers. I'm like, it's a false comparison. When they said that, I was like, absolutely not. The Menendez brothers were being horrifically abused by their father. Yes. And like, and, and are sorry for what they did. And are not a danger. There was one target and it was for them to get 
or to Target. It was for them to get out of that right. horrible situation. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. Like, I consider Dana a danger to society. I don't consider the Menendez brothers a danger to society. Exactly. And so, like, th- this pr- prosecutor is just pointing out, like, they must have had meeting after meeting after conversation after conversation about these murders. He, at any point, he could have been like, you know what? Let's actually go ahead and not kill my of mom course. and my dad and my sister. And he did, like, you're right. Like, he, there's, there's no soul in None. him. None. And so, like, he has submitted a statement to be used in the documentary. And Dr. Hickey's like, well, wait, reminder, this is all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Before we say anything, he's a narcissist, this is bullshit. Are, yeah, yeah. We, are you with me? Okay, now you can read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, And he's like, he's playing you. He's using God. He has yeah. no use for God. He's playing you. And all the statement says is that, like, I'm so grateful I'm in prison because I found God and I'm so great now. And I didn't yeah. care about God before, but now I do. And I'm yeah. like, I just don't think you do. A whole statement about how grateful he is to be in Shut prison. up. Yeah. Eventually, our narcissism expert is like, this man has spent all these years conning people and conning himself. This man is a predator. Because what Daniel really wants, he wants out. And we can only hope that he stays in there until he dies. One way out in a pine box. Only one way out in a pine box. Because he's Hickey. saying, what, what Dr. Hickey is saying is that he's, he's pretending to have found God because he wants parole. He wants people to come and speak on his behalf right. and get him out. And Hickey's like, that's just never going to happen. Right. And like three people were murdered in cold blood for money. And yeah. they were all family. And, and like, money let's that not forget nev- that. Right. And money that he never ended up getting. Right. And so like, we, we kind of end in the cemetery where we're kind of walking through the graves and they're just like talking about like what amazing people they are. And it's just like, it's really... The it's, family is. The, the family is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like... We're we're covering the 12th victim and yes. it kind of ends in a similar way, uh-huh. which is like somebody says when you're walking through a cemetery and you see three plots with the death date of the same year. Do you ever like wonder why that is yeah. like these people were all murdered on the same day? That's yeah. why their death date is the same year. Oh my God. And it's just so sad. And we get the on screen text in the end that says Dana and Joel are serving life without parole. Jack Ponce, the one who brought the one who like the dis- bartender, the bartender who got rid of the gun, who then brought them to where the gun was discarded. Charges against him were dropped in exchange for his testimony he's now a fucking attorney for the state of california yeah what it's on earth it sounds to me i hope i don't get in trouble for this it sounds to me like jack was in a bad way and like saw the light yeah. and tried to do some good yeah right because we don't know what kind of attorney because he, is. he wasn't at the scene of the crime right he did a lot of bad shit i'm not jack like jack is a major part of this he's yes. complicit absolutely but it sounds to me like jack maybe wasn't in a good place yeah now he's in a better place and he's trying to do some good work in like in southern california like in close to home i yeah. guess i'm hoping that that's where we are with it that. just made me like scream out loud when i saw that and then we learned that dana applied for clemency in 2022 i looked this up i could not find any info like all the no. articles i found it just says that he applied for clemency yeah. in 2022 Whatever. i don't really know what that process is like it has to be approved by the governor. Yeah, it takes a long time. Gavin Newsom with that glorious head of hair. He's got a head of hair. He's got sure. a head of hair. And so I guess we're, we don't know. We don't We don't know. I mean, I don't he's think it's going to get gonna, it. He's not going to get it. He's not getting it. One way in, one way out. A pine box. Yep. Just making it all about himself yet again. Yeah. Mm. It also ends with this very like Tori Amos-esque, very haunting song. The song is beautiful. And I looked it up and I can't find the name or the artist anywhere. So thanks a lot, Hulu. (laughs) Can you give her some credit? (laughs) Totally. Couldn't agree more. Oh, girl, we did. What's it called? Murdered for Millions. Murdered for Millions. Fam, quick reminder. I am heading back out on the road in March with a traveling book party. I am coming to Red Bank, New Jersey, Louisville, Kentucky, Columbus, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. Tickets are going fast. Please come and see me. This is my last time out with this chapter. I'm doing a whole new different thing starting uh, in the spring and summer. But this is the last time out with this chapter. It's a really fun night. It's a fun way to meet other people in your community. It's It's a a straight up party. You said it last time. It turns into like a... it's, a, it's an hour-long show that's really funny, but then it turns into a meetup because we all yeah. just, like, stick around and drink. I'm Hang drinking out. all the bourbon Kentucky has to offer when I mean, I'm in that's, that's where to do it. Um, also, join us on the Patreon fam, please. Over 450 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge. But more than that, join us on our new, like, fun lives that we're doing a couple times yes. a month. We're doing what? I was going to say, but speaking of bonus apps. Yeah. 
Oh, tell them what we're about to start doing. We're sprinkling in more bonus apps for you. We used to do it at the end of the year, the last 10 weeks of the year. Yeah. No, 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 not anymore. We're doing more than 10. And yeah. just like, surprise, you're going to get a bonus app every once in a while. Here it goes. I thought you were going to tell them the new series we're about to start covering on the Pates. Oh, Love Has Won. We're doing Love Has Won, the one that we, I think it's the, we've gotten the most messages about this than anything in a long time. Yeah, it's also like definitely one of the most um, insane things I've ever seen. Really? Yes. Oh my God. All right. Well, what are we doing next on the regular feed? So we are doing, it's on HBO Max. It's called Candy and Betty. It's about the murder of Betty Gore by Candy Montgomery. Oh, shit. I finally found something for us to do about it. All right. Stay tuned for the trailer for that. Our funny and hilarious outtakes. Yep. And we'll see you next week or, I don't know, sooner. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We We can't be expected to know when our episodes are dropping. We can't help it. We like making you bonus episodes. Sorry. (laughs) We love it. All right. bye. Bye. In this quiet little suburban house on this quiet little suburban street, you have a bloodbath that looks like Manson. The axe marks are counted to 41 total. It sounds kind of like a bad horror movie. My brother had answered the phone call, and the guy on the other line said, I killed her. Are we dealing with a psychopath? She's having an affair with somebody's husband. Somebody ends up dead. The events of Friday, June 13th, 1980, and the ensuing trial continue to capture public attention. Pleading uh, guilty or not guilty. Not guilty. Ladies and gentlemen, we have quite a story to tell. I posted recently on my TikTok about how the Golden Girls Kitchen was recycled from another show, a Patty Duke Aston show. Oh, that's right. But it was also apparently recycled from Benson. It was used in Benson, and and Aaron posted a picture of it. What's Benson? As in Olivia Benson? (laughs) no! Benson was a TV show starring Robert Guillaume in the early 80s. I missed missed the Benson train, no. (laughs) But it's so weird because I I have, like, a very weird pop culture memory for, like, not my time. Like, I actually watched the Dick Van Dyke show. Like, let's please. Yes, of course. But I, I don't know Benson. Benson was, was like, were they a cop? No, Benson. I can't. I don't. I don't remember all the details. But it was like Robert Guillaume. That's like what it, what, what he was made famous for. Okay. Yeah, Benson. Do I know Robert Guillaume? <laughs> I can't place his face. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's Robert Guillaume. Okay. Uh, I'll Google him. Okay, give him a go. Then it'll be like, oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. Obviously, that guy from that one Columbo episode, probably. But I'm sure he was on (laughs) Columbo. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Girl, Wild Grain is the sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up. I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item, you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What is like the word for foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. When we got our wild grain box, Steve tore, actually Golden tore it open. He was like, Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. The, I'm a baguette and yeah. I we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds, and you've been dying to talk about this for weeks. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Jillian's, like, signed up for this for life. Yeah, Mike may, I'm not kidding, my hand, to, I swear. Yesterday, <laughs> Mike was just like, I'm a little, hum-. like, a snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had, and I'm like, we have to order more, because uh, I don't know how we're gonna survive without it. So, fam, you can fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all pastries, you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription. You heard her. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO. That's wildgrain.com slash TCO or you can use promo code TCO at checkout. 